Time for seafood news. You are listening to the Seafood News Podcast brought to you by Erner Berry's Comtel, which will be receiving a complete redesign in 2020. Streamlined navigation, customizable dashboards, filtering options, quick access to your favorite reports, and more will make Comtel an even more valuable tool for those impacted by the protein markets. I'm Seafood News Managing Editor, Amanda Buckle. And I'm Seafood Market Reporter, Lauren Castiglione. And we're going to kick off this week's episode with some numbers. Ooh, yeah. Lots of them because import numbers were released last week. Species-wise, we're just going to be talking about Pangasius, lobster, and shrimp. So looking at Pangasius, frozen fillet imports from January through December 2019 totaled 117.6 million pounds. And that is a 42.6% decline from the 2018 total volume of 205 million pounds. 2019 is the lowest volume year on record since 2009 brought in 109 million pounds of product. And January 2019 started the year off with 20.2 million pounds of volume coming into the United States, the highest monthly total 2019 saw all year. April recorded the lowest volume month at 5.7 million pounds, a monthly low not seen since December 2008. So for lobster, imports of lobster products into the U.S. increased for the second straight month. December imports sold 13.8 million pounds compared to 13.3 in December 2018. Still, the 2019 annual total is 4.4% behind last year, reflective of a 5.6 million pound shortfall. And finally, looking at shrimp, December imports mirror last month with a 1.4% decline in volume. The year-over-year figure narrowed slightly as a result, and 2019 imports edged only 0.4% higher than 2018. And speaking of shrimp, Ernerberry market reporter Jim Kenny posted on Comtel an analysis about how the shrimp market is strained due to the coronavirus. The coronavirus and what impact it may have on the shrimp market has been a common topic. So Ernerberry market reporters have written in their daily comments that China is the largest importer of shrimp globally, and any disruption in the flow of product into that country will certainly have market implications. Reporters also suggested that the most immediate concern appears to be Ecuador, given its proximity to the U.S., its reliance on the Asian market, and the anticipation of a larger harvest. Information is beginning to flow as some Chinese buyers return to work after the extended Chinese New Year holiday. Many from home, as they, like most Chinese citizens, are avoiding public contact. So, for market reporters are also monitoring the situation closely to see what the impact may be on the U.S. market. Be sure to check in on Comtel for all the updates. And since we're on the topic of the coronavirus, let's talk about the most read story on Seafood News last week, which was the Boston Seafood Show organizers issuing an update on the virus. That says a lot, too, that it was the most read story. Oh, by far. So for those who haven't been keeping up, Diversify Communications, the organizers of Seafood Expo North America, also known as the Boston Seafood Show, released a statement regarding the novel coronavirus, and the statement was released as health officials confirmed a case in Boston, a man who had recently traveled to Wuhan, China. Now, of course, the health and safety of attendees and exhibitors is the primary concern uh, for Diversified, and they said that they are monitoring the situation regarding the virus. Diversified says that the current situation has not impacted attendee or exhibitor registration, and while they haven't released numbers about how many people have registered, We can tell you that last year the event drew more than 22,000 seafood industry professionals, as well as over 1,300 exhibitors from 49 countries. I mean, it's a big show. Yeah, Yeah. huge. So, I mean, it's reasonable that people would have some fears. 
And um, Diversified is on top of things, though. They say that they are following the guidance of the CDC, as well as working closely with the Massachusetts Convention Center Authority and other appropriate authorities on recommended protocols to protect their customers and attendees while they're at the expo. And they have some measures already in place, like they're coordinating with the city, state, and federal first responders for real-time intelligence and response protocol related to the coronavirus. They also said that the convention center has medically trained public safety staff as well as Boston Emergency Medical Services on site during the events and will implement the most effective protocols in accordance with current recommendations. Not sure what that means, but it sounds like they'll be prepared for anything. Right, zombie apocalypse, let's bring it on. But the, uh, the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center will also be increasing hand-washing signage and hand sanitizer stations throughout the facility, um, and they will be diligent about the cleaning of public areas. So just wash your hands often and keep them away from your mouth, as my pediatrician warned me. And don't act, don't act awkward when we go in for the elbow bump instead of the handshake. Too. You know, I went and looked <laughs> up. I'm like, what are some alternatives to handshakes? Because like I said, I, I had a... Uh, the know, finger points? Yeah. yeah. Hey! Yeah. Uh, they recommended online... A uh, the head nod. Oh, oh yes. hello. Hello. Head, head nod. Mm-hmm. This is a podcast, so you can't see us, but we're nodding our yes. heads. Um, and they also said hands up. clearly behind the back and head nod, so people yes. don't go in for the yeah. But yeah. they also said, I mean, because I I just looked up alternatives to handshaking. Uh, fist bump was also one of them, but same mm-hmm. thing. I don't want to if you don't want to touch better somebody, than handshake, but still yeah. yeah. So those are some options for you: the the head nod, the you know potential the finger gun point, the finger gun point. Well, be careful with that one, too. You don't want to cause a ruckus. The elbow. Yeah. Bump. Many options. Yeah. Um, But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we'll just end that there. (laughs) It's been a good week. See you later. (laughs) Moving along. Um, In other news, the United States Trade Representative removed 25% tariffs on nine seafood items last week. The USTR posted a notice of product exclusions, which listed 119 total items that will be removed from the $200 billion tariff action. This list imposed a 10% tariff on included items um, on September 24, 2018, before jumping to 25% in May 2019. Then, a few days later, China announced that they would be cutting tariffs on hundreds of U.S. goods worth around $75 billion. The country will lower retaliatory tariffs from 10 to 5% on some goods and 5 to 2.5% on others. The change will take effect on February 14th, a lovely Valentine's Day gesture, oh, yeah. according to a statement from China's finance ministry. The U.S. will follow suit by slashing tariffs in half for $120 billion worth of Chinese goods on the same day. Over 100 seafood items appear on the list of products released by the finance ministry. Pollock, American Lobster, and many other seafood items will receive minor tariff relief. And you can find the full list of products on Seafood News. It's in Chinese, so you cannot read it. But if you go to uh, translate.google.com and you download the PDF that we have linked on Seafood News... Um, and you upload it to to translate.google, you could... I think you've lost them all. You could... I'm just letting people know <laughs> so people don't get upset, all right? Moving along again. <laughs> this was a big week for mergers and acquisitions. So Rich... Cha-ching. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rich Products acquired Maury's Seafood International, a move that is part of Rich Products' bigger plan of expanding their product offerings with value-added seafood. Rich Products is based out of Buffalo, New York, and has more than 11,000 associates operating on six continents and in more than 100 countries around the globe. The company owns seafood consumer brand CPAC, as well as other popular consumer brands like FarmRich and Carvel. Yum. And Jim Motos, a senior VP of consumer brands at Rich Products, said that they invested in Maury's because they see an exciting opportunity to grow their seafood business and take it to even greater heights. 
The acquisition of Maury's by Rich Products comes almost a year after Maury's sold their St. Louis and Kansas City operations to Fortune International. And speaking of Fortune, InvestCore, a leading global provider and manager of alternative investment products, completed the recapitalization of Fortune International last week. Fortune confirmed the news Wednesday afternoon. The recapitalization comes less than a month after Fortune announced that they were expanding in the Midwest with the acquisition of Seattle's Fishes, Kansas City operations. It was Fortune's second strategic acquisition in the last 12 months, the first being the acquisition of Alabama-based Jubilee Foods, a company that provides frozen seafood, oysters, and local gourmet products to the entire Gulf Coast and Birmingham, Alabama. Prior to that, Fortune also acquired Classic Provisions, a specialty and gourmet food distributor based in Plymouth, Minnesota, as well as Maury's Seafood in St. Louis and Kansas City, Missouri. Other acquisitions by Fortune over the years include JDY Gourmet, Chef Martin Old World Butcher Shop, Coastal Seafoods, and e-commerce company Lobstergram. Fortune CEO Sean O'Scanlan said that with the support of InvestCore's resources and expertise, he believes that Fortune will be well-positioned to execute on management's growth strategy by providing customers with the best quality products and expanding in core and adjacent geographies while continuing to uphold their rigorous sustainability standards. And finally, Riverence Holdings, a land-based steelhead and rainbow trout producer, acquired Clear Springs Foods earlier this month. Clear Springs Foods is a fellow trout farmer in Idaho with a 50-year-plus history. Riverence announced that acquiring the fellow Idaho fish farmer makes the company the largest land-based producer of trout in the United States. Now for some fun news. Valentine's Day is Friday. Hey, hey, hey. Love is in the air. (laughs) So the National Retail Federation reported that total expected spending for Valentine's Day was $20.7 billion in 2019. So what do you think spending is for 2020? For 2020, I'm going to guess $30.1 billion. Wow. Okay. So you think people are going to be spending more? I do. Okay. Yes. Well, you're right in that the number went up, but not as high as you said. Oh. Yeah, you're close, though. Um, kind of. A couple billion off. I would have been <laughs> out in prices, right? Um, the National Retail Federation expects total spending for Valentine's Day this year to hit $27.4 billion. That's a 32% increase from last year's record 27 That's a pretty big increase year that's, over year. That's huge, yeah. So how much do you think you're going to spend on Valentine's Day? And this number should encompass anything you're getting for your significant other, family members, friends, children's classmates, coworkers, like moi. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. You mean... What are you getting me? Oh, I <laughs> thought you meant like you were going to be buying for us. No, I'm asking you what you're buying, getting for me. <laughs> um, so what are you getting yeah, for your, your spouse, other people, pets? I mean, we're talking jewelry and evening out, clothing, Jeez, candy, I flowers, mean, greeting I'm cards. not that fancy. All right. Well, so how much do you think you're going to end up spending? Okay. Valentine's Day. It falls on a Friday this year. We'll probably order in. I've got to get my kids' classmates some stuff, Mm -hmm. make some little crafts for the grandparents, I guess. (laughs) I'm going to say $100. $100? Yeah. That's all you think you're going to spend? That's all I think I'm going to spend. Wow. Cheap date. All right. So. We don't really do big Valentine's Day. Yeah. You know. We never really do either. But we, we always say we're going to go out and have a nice dinner, but like on the off mm-hmm. weekends, but then we never actually end up doing that. So yeah. it's, yeah. My husband's birthday falls the day before, so we always end up going out for his birthday. He hates it. <laughs> <laughs> so the National Retail Federation. So you're saying you think that people on average spend 100 bucks. That's I'm how saying much you're spending. I'm spending. Okay. I say people are probably spending like 250 
You think 250? Okay. So National Retail Federation reports that people plan to spend on average $196.31. Oh, okay. right. And that's up from 20%, 21% from last year's previous record of $161.96. Hmm, nice. So, so you th- yeah, 250 bucks. I mean, you think jewelry is expensive. I mean, this is on average. So obviously there's people out there that are spending more. I know, but, but are people really getting jewelry on Valentine's Day or is that just like part of the movies? I'm I think when you're probably younger in your relationship, right? I think I probably got jewelry at some Is point. Is Tom sending you flowers to work? Probably not. Well, anyway, the Harris Poll conducted um, a survey for online grocery company Instacart, and they polled 2,000 people and found out that Americans are pretty divided on whether they would like to go out for Valentine's Day at a restaurant or stay in and have dinner, which is funny because you said you would probably order in yeah. and stay in. I mean, you have kids, so you think people are either – Staying in because they have kids or just because they would, you know, prefer not to go out and deal with all the... The crowds. Yeah, the crowds. Because it's true. I mean, we went out one night for for Valentine's Day and the tables were just so on top of each other that you just like... They cram in all the the two tables. So it's like, you know, it was a romantic dinner between me and my husband and then like the the couple next to us (laughs) and, you know. But uh, when it comes to those staying in, they want to keep things pretty simple, believe it or not. So 41% of Americans say pizza is among the most underrated Valentine's Day foods. Um, and 20% secretly wish that their, par- or their partner would make pizza for their romantic evening at home. Oh. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would want that. I like making pizza. Yeah? yeah. But if, if if your husband was like, I got a special Valentine's Day meal planned, are you like- Make secret- me pizza. <laughs> are you, you're like, I secretly hope it's pizza? Um, uh, I mean, I love pizza, so I wouldn't be disappointed. Okay. But it usually, it would probably be sushi. Oh, okay. He yeah. would he would make you sushi. We're saying no, he would order it. In. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Well, it seems like I'm not um, eating any sushi that he makes. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm like, all right, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, see, my husband would probably end up making us something seafood related. You mm-hmm. know, we usually we have our go to frozen stuff during the week, and then if it was a special occasion, we go out to the market and get something fresh. Yeah. Um, but it seems like most people want to have a more romantic meal than just pizza because the Instacart survey found that searches for lobster on their site were up two hundred and thirty. Mm-hmm. Five percent during Valentine's Day week. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, if you and I actually... think that's something easy for people to prepare at home. Yeah, you think lobster is? I would think so. I think, yeah, you know, you boil it for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I, I think, see, pretty... I think that's funny you brought that up because I went to Google, uh, Google Trends to see if you can see like you know what people are searching for related to lobster. Yeah. And one of the top search terms uh, the week now before Valentine's Day is uh, cooking lobster tails. People are looking up how to, how to cook them. I think it's less intimidating to cook mm-hmm. shellfish than it is finfish. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And that's my take. I like it. Well, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? Are you sending us flowers? Let us know. Send we'll, us an, send us we'll send mail. you our, our, uh, our work shipping address. address. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, if you're eating <laughs> seafood for Red Val- Lobster, are you out there? Oh, real quick. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. So Red Lobster is on top of all their promos. And we just did a video where we eat their um, their new lobster and chips, which is part of their new Lobster Fest menu. Um, you know, so So if you want lobster and you don't want to cook it, yeah, that's you can, an you can order you. there. But I love all their – because obviously they know that people – 
you know, are obsessed with their Cheddar Bay Biscuits. Yeah. So, you know, previously they had the Cheddar Bay Biscuit Fanny Pack, which Lauren and I still want. Yeah. They they had on um, the Christmas sweater where you had the, the pocket for the Cheddar Bay Biscuits. That we still want. That we still want. <laughs> yes. And now they came up with a heart-shaped, heart-shaped box. box. And it's a dollar more, so you have to order a half a dozen Cheddar Bay biscuits, and then for a dollar more, you and can order. Who's only ordering box. a half dozen? I don't know. You go for the full. full yeah. You go for the full order. Um, so we have this fantasy of being delivered this like mm-hmm. gigantic heart shaped box from Red like Lobster, the size of a person. Yeah. So we Filled can eat all the Cheddar Bay. We biscuits. can eat all the Cheddar Bay biscuits <laughs> inside, and then crawl in there. And take a nap for the rest of the day. <laughs> but anyway, let us know if your your Valentine's Day plans involve seafood. We want to hear from you. So thanks for listening. And uh, we love you. Yeah. All right. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> seafood news. <laughs>